That's right. It's time to turn up the Industry 45 podcast show, Giant TV Niagara on YouTube. My name is Shane Christopher Neal, your host for the program. I often said Van Halen was the second largest band out of Pasadena, California. The first was Autograph. This song was a, a national smash hit for Autograph in 1984. Sign In, Please, was the album. And Turn Up the Radio. Today, my guest on the Industry 45 show is none other than bass player Randy Rand of the band Autograph. Uh, we talk about Turn Up the Radio, obviously. We talk about the uh, follow-up single, which was called Sender to Me, which did not do so well for the band. And of course, you got to talk about blondes in black cars. It's just what we do here on the Industry 45 podcast show. Uh, the band put out an EP back in 2017, Get Off Your Ass. We'll talk about that. And, of course, the brand-new single called Souls on Fire. Uh, all the proceeds going to benefit Trinity Health of New England during COVID-19. We talk about Jimmy Bell, the latest uh, guitar player in the band. He came from the House of Lords. Love the House of Lords. And, and we talk about... Get off your ass, Italian roast. A little bit of coffee talk. You can find autographed coffee, by the way, at elephsoncoffee.com. Coming up next, Industry 45 podcast show. It's autographs, Randy Rand. Hey, this is Jeff T. from Tesla, and you're listening to Shane on the Industry 45 show. All right. I always said uh, the second largest band to come out of Pasadena, California, is Van Halen. The first one was Autograph. So, Mr. Randy Rand from Autograph, how, how you doing, my friend? I'm doing great, man. A little, a little bored, but I'm doing fine. Uh, so many questions for you. I'm a huge fan of Autograph, and before we started recording, I was saying I, I play in an 80s band that plays Turn Up the Radio, and, and we'll talk about that, of course. But back in the early days in Pasadena, I, I, it's really interesting to find out how much David Lee Roth seemed to help uh, Autograph. What, what is the backstory in that? Did you guys just have a relationship with him or the guys in Van Halen? Or oh, I, I, it's, What it is is we grew up in um, – I was in a band called Wolfgang with Steve Blunkett from uh, 73 to 79. And of course, Van Halen was opening up for us at the Starwood, you know, the whole Sunset Strip stuff. We were opening up for them. We were opening up for Quiet Riot. Quiet, Quiet Riot was open. It's, it's like a big family. And then uh, uh, David Lee Roth knew, uh, kind of, I uh, jogged with um, Kenny Richards, the drummer at the time. And uh, uh, me and uh, Plunkett and other guys, we on and off were doing just demo tapes. You know, just, for the hell of it, because got to keep working. And uh, um, David Lee Roth heard the tape, and he said, guys, you want to go on tour with us? And, I, and the drummer goes, well, we don't have a band. This is all a bunch of guys from all over the place. And uh, I got a call from Steve Plunkett when I was uh, working on Lita Ford's second album, and I was in New York, and uh, Plunkett called me and said, do you, uh, you want to go on tour with Van Halen, which are our buddies? And I said, hell Yeah. We weren't in a band. We didn't even have a name for the band or anything yet. 
I did like four rehearsals. We had to kick the hat around to get enough cast to get to uh, Hollywood, Florida for our first gig in front of 15,000 people, which was a little harrowing. And uh, so that's kind of, that's kind of the backstory a little bit. So we didn't, Autograph didn't have to struggle through that. We already struggled with the other bands in the seventies. Perfect. So that, that's why that came around. Yeah. That's uh, and, and your first was, was your first big, big gig, like major gig Madison square gardens. Would that have been in, in 1984? Uh, you played there with Van Halen too. Did you not? Yes, we did, and that's where we got signed to RCA. Uh, the RCA uh, guy came in, Paul Atkinson came in and said, we are going to sign you, so don't worry about it. If anyone wants to get a better deal, they're not going to get it. We'll, just, we'll give you the best deal. And what, what a dream come true, man. I mean, this is a band that really wasn't a band. We had to make up the name on the, on the way driving to Florida for our first gig. I didn't even know three of the guys in the band. And uh, I just knew there was a bunch of Steve's. And so, uh, I mean, our first gig, and, and it went really well. We were kind of afraid to open up the Van Halen, please, because they, they were killing the earth at that time. And uh, it, it just to get signed at Madison Square Garden, it was insane. That, it, that, that's really a cool. dream come true. Talk about the name, though, because it's funny. It, it came from the song Photograph from Def Leppard. I don't know no, the full story. Really. Is that not true? That's not true at all. Uh-uh. And to tell you the other truth is, there's only one guy from Pasadena. We went from Pasadena. I was from North Hollywood, and everyone else was from other other places. It's just for some reason it sounded good, so we've never never fought it. <laughs> <laughs> one guy was from Pasadena. <laughs> we weren't really like a Pasadena band because we were really a band. Uh, it's uh, it, it really is one of those Cinderella stories. And then having turn the radio come out when RCA said, you know, screw you guys, we're not going to put that on the record, and we we said no, we demand it, and. Who knew? Who knew, man? Who knew? You never know. Absolutely. It's funny because I think most of the great songs that you hear, you find out later on that the record label or the A&R rep uh, really didn't like the song and didn't want it on the album. And those were the songs for some reason that made it big and Turn Up the Radio was one of them. Was it, tell me, take me to that moment though where here you are, a kind of band, you become a band, you get signed and you come out with a smash and Turn Up the Radio. So, I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. That's got to be cloud nine right there, right? Oh, oh definitely. Yeah, ridiculous. I mean, even in my, my uh, you know, my little dream of my world of how things should go, that that was never a scenario when things could happen like that. I mean, it was just ridiculous. And plus, I got to do American Bandstand. It's like, I always wanted to play Madison Square Garden. I always wanted to do American Bandstand. I always wanted to have a top 20 or a top 10 song. It's like, I got that all done in like six months. It was crazy. You were ready to retire and go to the beach. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so tell me what happens after Turn Up the Radio, the follow-up single is Center to Me. And in so mm-hmm. it, and it was it was a good song, but it didn't get the airplay uh, that Turn Up the Radio did, obviously. Yeah. So was that a bit of a disappointment? Take me take me through that because it's always you know, you're going hundred miles an hour, everything is more than you can dreamed, and and then you get a song out that doesn't do so well. Take me through that. Yeah, definitely. What what happened was uh, there was, as usual, the turnover in RCA, and the people that were on our that were had our back, they were gone. And then there was a whole bunch of new A and R guys that weren't that crazy about us. We just weren't, even though we sold you know millions of albums. They still it wasn't their style. They wanted to do hair bands because, as far as I'm concerned, Autograph was not a hair band. We we just that wasn't what we were. We were older, and you know kind of season pros but uh, so they didn't push the song at all the video was kind of cute 
Um, but we said, okay, you know, you can't have everything turn up the radio. So we kind of let that slide. It didn't really hurt us that much. But, you know, as, as things went along, you know, <laughs> we, we could see we weren't burning up the, the charts on anything we were doing. So it got a little depressing after a while. In uh, then in '85, right? You have uh, blondes in black cars, and and that is a great song. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, everything you guys come out with, the great melodies, and just everything sounds so cool. And and tell me about this song, "Blondes in Black Cars." Oh, oh that that's an easy story. Uh, uh, Kenny, the drummer at the time, drunk off his ass, and they're going down Sunset Boulevard with blanket, and he said, "Look at all the blondes in black cars. It just looks really cool." So that's exactly where that came from. And then it's there was a, a song. Stupid drunk statement. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And that's what we do for a living. You know, we, we take that moment and go, you know, it's just a song. It's great. And then everyone was going, I never noticed that there was a lot of blonde girls in, in black cars. And I was laughing good. I still is. You know, the, the sound of autograph to me, um, like everything is so big, right? Like I know it came out in the 80s. A lot of reverb, big drum sounds, great keyboards, oh, yeah. and and plenty of vocals, right? Um, just to me, when you hear Autograph, it's still something special today. And I was driving around playing Blondes in Black Cars, although I didn't see any Blondes in any Black Cars today. Um, and, and, and it's unmistakable. And <laughs> it's, it's, so, a new era. <laughs> and it's so it's so easy to sing along with your songs, even though I can't sing worth a shit. Uh, just the melody, and, and tell me a little bit about the songwriting, because the hooks, the guitar hooks, the, the, the sound and the melody are such a big part of Autograph. Well, well that was just the band. It, it, why, why it became very cohesive was we had the same mindset of what uh, you know bridges should be and, and what choruses should be and how pull back on a verse or let the verse be big a couple times and then let the chorus come in or bridge the chorus. It's like we all had the same thought process. It's kind of kind of scary. <laughs> so it's like it, everything, after we laid down all of our basics, we just kind of built it too from the studio. We had a basic idea what we wanted to do on most of the songs. But once you get in the studio, it's just too fun. <laughs> you can do whatever you want in there. It's, it's awesome. How important was the, the overall image um, for Autograph? Because you're a guy, if I'm not mistaken, who is in the fashion world of sorts, right? <laughs> uh, if, <laughs> right so so i mean how important was the image of the band because in 1985 and uh 86 you know that was really what, what was selling albums right was what it looked like on the cover oh i know uh it's uh it's, all i could do i, I could never explain because i've been asked this question before i never really could come up with a great answer except for we went from album to album with probably different images because we're getting bored with in one way, you know what I mean? So we just like we would just try this and go, ah, we kind of look good this way, look good this way. But uh, at the same time, we we're near the end of our career. We we, were, we had Skid Row, we had Warren, we had all these you know beautiful boy bands out there. We like going, well, we really can't compete with this shit, you know, because <laughs> we're in a, we're in a, we're in our thirties and, and they're in you know like nineteen twenty one. Right, right. So yeah, it, it, it was it was tough. We we really didn't want an image, to be honest with you, because we're all just seasoned pros. We've done so many albums for other people and and our own albums, and it's just to us, it was a, a business. It really wasn't like like a circus, like it really should have been. Actually, <laughs> you, you had so many great tours. I mean, Kiss, Motley Crue, Heart, yeah. Aerosmith, yeah. Ronnie James Dio, Van Halen. White Snake. I mean, I'm sure they're all great and memorable, but is there any one of those that stand out or a couple that just were at the top of your list of tours? 
Well, of course, Van Halen was very memorable just because we were green and it's like, a, okay, we never played one gig ever in a club, this band. We started off with 15,000 people and now 1984 album is going through the ceiling and we're playing for 20,000 people every night. So that's very memorable. But my favorite was um, Theater of Pain with uh, my buddy, uh, Nikki Six, because we were really good friends. And that's, I think that's how we got that, to tell you the truth. Because Trenton Radio was going through the ceiling and Theater of Pain was doing so well. So that was probably my funnest, probably the most dangerous tour I ever did in my life. Because bass players should not be allowed to play together. They shouldn't be. <laughs> Who's a better bass player now? You or Nikki? Come on. <laughs> right, we're both good with our own styles. Come on. I'm not going to say that. <laughs> I know. I was just. I'm just pulling your leg. Um, so, so that's the that's the past. Let's move a little bit uh, closer to the present. In 2017, uh, you put out an album, right? An LP. Get off your ass. And uh-huh. how important is it a band, or is it for a band like Autograph to continue to try to put out new music? Because, as you know, most of the and we'll call it classic rock bands. Although it kills me because I'm 51 and I don't think of Autograph and Motley Crue and everybody else's classic rock. Apparently, it is. Um, like right, how, okay. But but a lot of like radio's not playing that stuff, right? They're going to play old Autograph, old Motley Crue, old Van mm-hmm. Halen. But how important was it for you guys to put out new music at this point? Uh, uh, to be honest with you, we can't help ourselves because <laughs> we're all writers, and it's just. Uh, there's a point when we love the, uh, we love it if people like it. I understand that people have a lot of memories from those days. And a lot of people are fight against it because when we don't want to hear new music from you. That's not that's not Steve Plunkett singing. This is better. It's like, hey, this is just another version of autograph. You know, I, I was one of the founding members, and it's like I, I get that you got laid to turn up the radio, but you know what? That was 35 years ago, right? And if you and haven't so been we, laid in 35 years, then all, you've got a problem. <laughs> <laughs> you find another song, brother. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? It, most people yeah, do say, though, that if you're, if you're a songwriter and you're an artist, this is what you like to do. This is your passion. Okay. It is my passion. It never has not been my passion. So now you have a new single out as well. Uh, but before we get to that, let me, mm-hmm. let me ask you this question. You play with uh, Jimmy Bell now on, on guitar. Oh, God, yeah. And I was always a big fan so of House of Lords, man, and, and a great player. Uh-huh. What, what has it been like to, to kind of been playing, play with him now? Well, he's been a friend of ours for a long, long time. Uh, in fact, him and Steve Lynch were, were really good friends. And uh, when he found out that Steve was leaving, he just kind of gave me a call and he said, you know, put me on the list because I want to play with you guys. I really love you guys. I said, okay. <laughs> I went to the other guys and go, Jimmy Bell wants to play with us. I go, I said, well, Give it a couple of days. Don't get him too excited, and then call him and tell him he's in the band. <laughs> so that was that was all it was. <laughs> now, what uh, did Jimmy Steve? Did, uh, unbelievable. He's done. Did Steve live on leave on good terms? Like, was everything is everything good with you guys? And uh, yes, he did. It, but it, when anyone just out of the blue goes, you know, I'm done with this. Of course, there's a shock value to it. But um, he's an old friend of mine, so he wanted to go do something else. At, at the time, he wanted to work with his fiance and. All that stuff, and I just said, you know, he's not a, he's not a little kid anymore. He can do whatever the hell he wants. And yeah, there's a little animosity towards me because it's seven years, but that lasted about a week. And and no problem after that because we got Jimmy. And you're okay with that now, see? Uh, Souls on Fire. I'm way okay with that. Souls on Fire. Uh So uh, you guys released this song with proceeds to benefit Trinity Health of New England. So uh, tell me a little bit about the song. The the song is. uh, 
Souls on Fire is like what I love about uh, Simon's uh, lyrics because lyrics, it's like if you look into them, you can take it one way or the other. To me, I I saw the song as you just want to get out there and get it done. You just because being confined all the time kind of makes people like us antsy artists go nuts a little bit. So it's just like kind of like our souls on fire to get out there again, and uh, also take on any bad or any good, just make it go, make it go, keep going, going forward, never go backwards. It's a great sounding, like the guitars in this song sound amazing. The vocals, like the production, incredible. It's all done out of a little tiny studio in the drummer's house. Wow. I know. <laughs> how, how things have changed over the years, eh? Give me, um, let me ask oh, you this man. question as somebody who's a seasoned veteran in the music business. Um, what is better about the music business today than, let's say, in 1986, 87? Well, you know, the way I can answer that question is, first of all, I'm not 25 years old. So I, I wasn't hungry to get a record deal. That's not what I care about anymore. I care about being able to produce music and then put it out on our own terms. That's a big difference. It's like, of course, we're not making any money off of our music anymore, except for live shows. But our outlets there, we got <laughs> my favorite part is a drummer has a studio and he's the engineer. He's unbelievably good at it. That's something we couldn't have done back back in the 80s, you know, because we don't have to have, don't have to have the big Trident boards and the, the 3M machines and all that stuff. Now we just have computer screen and, and some playback. It's awesome. I love recording now. It's way better. And you're at a better place, right? Like when you're younger, you, you kind of, you're directed by record labels, managers. I mean, at this point in the mm -hmm. game, you know, you know the game and you know what you need to do. And you know you're not going to make any money off the music that's getting released anyway. Yeah, we know uh, that. Yeah, yeah so we know that. You are making money somewhere else, I found. Hold on, where is it? It's on, you're making money at coffee, apparently. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. money off the coffee. I love this. Get <laughs> yeah. off your ass, Italian roast. And I talked to David uh, Ellefson a couple of weeks ago. And uh, I know it's on ellefsoncoffee.com. So did David call you and say, do you guys uh, want to put out some coffee on my my website or what? How did this kind of come up? No, Well, it, with Tom Hazard uh, and E&P and him also, it's kind of what they were doing with their whole company. So becoming a part of E&P, is they go, okay, now now you guys want a coffee? It's like, of course we do. And we also have barbecue sauce, and we also got a, a whiskey coming out called Fall Off Your Ass. <laughs> Perfect. This is how you make money in, in 2020. You, you write the song to keep your name out there. You don't make any money, and you put out you know hot sauce or barbecue sauce and, and coffee. And I guess that's this is the new norm to make some money in the music business. I don't know. Uh, but, well, it is. It's good. Yeah. Especially now, because we, you know, our, all, almost all of our live gigs are, are gone for this year. So yeah, we, we you know, t-shirts and patches and coffee and you know, barbecue sauce, whatever you can to keep it close. Once um, we get past, you know, the idea of not having live music, and I hope to hell we get by it sooner rather than later. What is your plan with autograph? Like, I mean, I think this year's a write off for most people, but do you, you want to tour in in twenty twenty one, whatever that means, or what? What are you looking to do? Okay. Oh yeah, definitely. We um, and we'll do a lot more writing because I mean that "Souls on Fire" was the first song that we wrote as a band together. And Jamie's got a, a million different uh, guitar riffs, and Simon is another hell of a good guitar player. Like you said, the guitars are so good. 
um, Simon is a hell of a guitar player. He's, he's like the Malcolm Young in the band. He like, comes up with the greatest rhythm riff, riffs. And it's like, they're not going to stop us. We're just going to keep writing songs and touring until you can't do it anymore. Or if no one wants to see us anymore. Or you're really sick of playing Turn Up the Radio. Maybe then you'll stop because I'm sure that every live gig, that's the closing song, right? Oh, yeah, but at, at the same time, the minute it starts, I get people standing on the street and I got nine-year-olds singing the words with me. I'm, how can you get tired of the song when you see that happen? I mean, how can you? You just can't. I can't believe what it's achieved when I look. I mean, I, I know it's a damn good song, but I look here, though. Uh, 2009 VH1 included Turn Up the Radio on its list of 100 Greatest Rock Songs. VH1's 100 Greatest Rock Songs. Uh, the public voted Turn Up the Radio uh, number 93 on that list. I mean, it goes on and mm -hmm. on um, how how amazing that song is. And, and there's so many people that have 20, 30, 40 albums out that would never get a hit song and a memorable song like Turn Up the Radio. So that's awesome. Well, I know. Yeah, you'll like this one, Hair Nation, which is, you know, I love those guys. They're so They've been so good to us. Um, they were having the best of 1984 songs, and then you had 85 and all the stuff, 84. We came in number two in 1984 on Hair Nation. And that's not a bad place to be. No, it's not. I mean, anytime, anytime you can crack the top 10 of anything, He's going, okay, that means we're still out here. That means people are still listening. That's awesome. That's great. And like I said, Souls on Fire is great. Uh, I'll put the links to that and uh, everything up on our, our page as well. So that, that's awesome, Randy. I appreciate your time. And it's always fun to talk to uh, bands and artists that I grew up listening to. And I said earlier, songs that I play. So uh, thank you for writing yeah, such a cool. great song. <laughs> so we have a song to open our setup, you see? <laughs> well, I did it for you, man. Appreciate it, man. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Industry 45 Podcast Show. Check out all podcasts at GiantTV.ca, GiantFM.com, Country89.com, and Giant TV Niagara on YouTube.